the Gospel of John, starting at verse 1, and it's on page 1063. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness hath not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives life to everybody was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. <coughs> out of his fullness we have all received grace, in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Brian. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word and, uh, Lord, for your life. Uh, Lord, for your spirit now that is here with us. And we pray, Lord, that you would illuminate our eyes to see you better. Uh, Lord, to love you and, uh, Lord, to serve you with great joy and willingness. Lord, I pray that by your spirit you would heal us up. Uh, Lord, that you would open our eyes, Lord, uh, that are blind. Lord, that you would melt our hearts that are hard. Uh, Lord, that you would turn our lives around. Um, Lord, that I going in bad directions. Uh, Lord, I pray all this for myself, for these here, uh, that you would be at work amongst us now wonderfully. Amen. Amen. Um, good evening, everyone. It's lovely to be here with you to look at John's Gospel. We're continuing in um, walking in the light, going through John's Gospel. Um, we saw last week, very simply in the prologue, that Jesus is God. Jesus is God, that's obvious, isn't it? And we thought about actually what that means for us in terms of organising everything around, um, around our Lord and Saviour. 
Well, this week uh, we're dealing with six, uh, down, verse 6 down to about verse 18. And we're thinking here, uh, what's, what's God got to say about uh, where life is? Where is our life? If I was to ask, or now it's a bit confrontational, if someone was to describe your life, what would they say that your life is about? Um, probably most of you don't get to watch Frozen that often, which is a Disney film. But in that, one of the characters exclaims, Ice! Ice is my life! Uh, sort of jokingly, but it, it is kind of his life. Uh, we say that sort of thing all the time, although as Christians, perhaps we, we don't say it out loud because you know we shouldn't, uh, but maybe my house is my life. Maybe that person that knows you might say, oh yeah, rugby is their life. You, know, you see these tops that say, eat, sleep, rugby, repeat. Maybe, um, maybe you might say, uh, maybe you might not say, because you know as a Christian, you, shouldn't, you might say, yeah, my kid's my life. Maybe more sadly, you might have said, my spouse was my life. If your friends were to summarise your life, what did they say that was your life? Where did it come from? What was it? There's billions and billions of pounds spent pursuing finding life, aren't, isn't there? in our economy, uh, finding something that makes life zing, that makes that point of pleasure last a little bit longer, that makes, um, well, most recently, actually, there's been articles on there about, I don't know if you've seen, these podcasts about, um, I forgot what they're called, they're sort of longevity ministers or something, and they're basically trying to live uh, as young as possible for as long as possible. They want to live kind of forever, and they're investing millions of pounds in it, that's their life. Life is their life. Uh, that's just a little picture, isn't it, of what our culture is like. What we've got here, though, is a different answer to that, which is that Jesus is God's offer of life. Jesus is God's offer of life to us. A person. That's where life is to be found. Not a thing, not an object, not a created being but the infinite son of God so why do you want to listen to this it's because it's the word of God but also that you can be confident that life with Jesus is not worthless it's wonderful it's not lifeless it's filled with life so we've started off to see that uh, Jesus is God he's the center of everything and we're in a sort of courtroom drama you may have noticed in the terms of the vocabulary. Look with me at, at what John, in verse 6, with John the Baptist. Can you see this testimony and there's witness everywhere? In verse uh, 6, there was a man sent from God, his name was John. That's not the author, that's a different chap called John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. He's come, at verse 15 again, John testified concerning him. He cried out, this is the one here, pointing to Jesus. Uh, and John, in verse 18, he, John, the actual author, he's doing the same thing. So you see in verse 14, the word became flesh and he made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the Father, full of, full of uh, grace and truth. Do you see, he came, I've seen it, and I'm telling you. And the same in verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only who is himself uh, God and in the closest relationship with the Father has made him known. You can know God. Here he is in Jesus. 
And the idea of John's Gospel is we're in this sort of massive courtroom where both John the Baptist and John the author and the Holy Spirit and everyone in the book is trying to tell us, look, it's true. Jesus is God. But specifically, that he is God with us. Did you see that? There's this theme all the way through. Uh, he, um, so verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. That's talking about this person. He was in the world, and though the world did not, uh, uh, was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Do you see? He was in the world. He came to that which was his own, verse 11. Um, we keep going. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. See, he's arrived, this person has. Uh, and John testified, this is the one, and here he comes. He's coming after me, and here he comes. Um, and then you keep going. Uh, no one's ever seen God in verse 18, but the, one and, uh, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father has made him known. So you can know God now because this person has come. God is with us is what this is saying. Jesus is God and he's God with us. And so the question that immediately arises is, well, to what end? What, isn't that a bit scary that God has suddenly turned up? Why is he here? And so verse 6, we have this courtroom kind of drama that's not only convincing us that God is here in Jesus, but also why he came. Do you see in verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. That's the aim, that we would believe in Jesus. We all saw last week, that's the aim of the whole John's Gospel. You can see that a bit later. At verse 9, we've got the true light that gives light to the world was coming into the world. The idea is, is that we would have understanding, that we'd be able to do verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but now he's been made known. That we'd be able to see this God and recognise. That's the big one in the middle, verse 10. He was in the world and the world was made through him. The world did not recognise him. So don't miss it. Don't be like them. Recognise who this is and what he's come to do. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Don't make that mistake. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name and received him and recognised him, he gave the right to become children of God. Verse 13. Children born, not of natural descent, nor human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. So the aim here is that we would recognise that here comes our creator. He's coming to be recognised and received and to be believed in. And the outworking of that is that we would be born again as children of God. Not physically rebirthed, but spiritually reborn. To have a whole new life that is as different from being inside your mother's womb to being outside your mother's womb. It's a whole new life, isn't it? A new life and a new, built on a new relationship with this person who comes as the light and life of the world. And so, verse 12, we, we have this extraordinary life that means that we are now have the right to become children of God because of this person. Not enemies or acquaintances, nor are we beggars of God, 
We're not distant relatives of our creator, but we are his very own children. It's a whole new life, isn't it? Verse 14 is just, just want to rub that one in. <laughs> the idea that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He's come to us so we can have a new life with him among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of what? Full of grace and full of truth. It's an undeserved gift. That's what grace means. And it's to know the truth. That's what we're talking about. And so verse 16 and 17 and 18, they're sort of just full of wonder. Uh, so it's sort of spilling over here. What's happening is, um, well, if I read it, out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. We've been given this undeserved gift and now we've got another undeserved gift on the top. Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses. The law was this gift of God so that we could do the right thing and be in a right relationship with God. How amazing that he would give us the opportunity of that relationship. But that wasn't enough for God. He gives us grace on grace. The next half of verse 17, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The undeserved gift of being perfect in Jesus by trusting on his, in his death and resurrection and the ability to know God the truth about what God is like, that's given to us. We haven't earned that. It's not, we have no right to demand it. But it's been given. No one's ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and in the closest relationship with the Father. And he's made him known now so that we can see him and have this amazing life. So what is it not? Jesus is not made up. He's God. Jesus is not here to judge. He's here to be received. He's here to be believed in and to give life worth testifying about. Jesus is not God's offer to you to just try harder at understanding him. He is the full vision of God. Nor is he God's offer to, for you just to try harder to be a better person. He is the better person in our place. Jesus is giving us a whole new life, his life. So what's it like? It's a little bit like this um, picture up here. Can we have that up, Sarah? I haven't got the clicker, I'm afraid. Here we go. What do, you, what do you sort of see when you look at these guys? It's sort of power, isn't it? And it's, like, it's fairly threatening. Like, how are these guys coming? If they were to knock on your door, how would you feel? I feel like I've got to stand up straighter, I've got to do a better job, and, I don't know, I'm a bit feeble. Does anyone else get that vibe? But that's not what's going on here. If you go to the next one, that's what's going on here. He's coming to marry someone and start a whole new life. It's a whole new existence, isn't it? That's what Jesus is like when he comes to us. He is mighty and powerful. He is righteousness itself. He is scary. He is the glory of God. But actually the way that he's coming here is God's offer of life. That we would, believing in his name, 
recognising in receiving him that we would become children of God, children born not of a natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God to an entirely new life. We have the right to be a child of God, to know God personally and accurately, to see his glory such that you can't help but do what John the Baptist and John the author are doing here, to testify, to witness, to tell everyone about it or about him. Isn't that great news that actually our God comes to give us life? I sometimes forget that. We have new life in Christ. So what does this mean for us? I think this passage drives us, doesn't it, to receive, to believe, and to testify. There's the receive um, in, was it, verse, verse 11. He came, to those, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. When we're becoming a Christian... What we're doing is we're receiving a person into our life. We're not receiving, a, walking, as a, as a, walking in the light of Christ is not about knowing the right answer. It's about receiving a person. Walking in the light means I have the light with me. And the light has a name and that name is Jesus Christ. You can know all the answers. You can read the Bible cover to cover and you won't get it. In fact, I know someone in Australia who was the husband of a, he was a farmer, the husband of a friend of my mum's, and he'd read the Bible cover to cover three times. I still don't get it. It doesn't add up. And looking back, I think the problem is, is that he hadn't understood that he was looking for a person, not an answer. He was looking for Jesus, and he had missed it. He hadn't received the wonder of Jesus and the offer of life in him. He was looking for a proposition, a lifestyle. And so to receive Jesus means we receive him into our life. It means we recognise Jesus as this God in everything we do. We recognise his work wherever we are. Wow, that coincidence happened. No, it didn't. Jesus was on it. We recognise his control over everything, don't we? Say, oh Lord, I desperately want to do this, but I know you want me to do that. I'll submit to you on this, because actually you are not rules that squash your coming as God's offer of life. We recognise his love and care. Lord, it feels like you're not here with me at the minute. It feels like I've got nothing. But I know that if I've got you, I have the right to be a child of God and I am in a new life now with you forever. I know you love and care for me because I see you on the cross dying for you. You might be thinking, I'm not sure that Jesus wants to receive me. You might be thinking that. I can't receive Jesus because Jesus doesn't want to receive me. It's, the, it's totally the wrong question, isn't it? What we see here is Jesus stands ready. He's come to the world. Anyone in the world, that was which was, was his own, the whole world. And the problem is the whole world doesn't recognise him. It's not that the world isn't good enough, it's that they didn't recognise him. So if you recognise him, that is your only qualification for receiving him. You don't have to be good enough. Jesus stands ready and already willing to receive you. The question is, is will we, you and I, will our kids, will our neighbours receive him as Lord and Saviour, as life offered in Christ? So we've got to receive Jesus in every way we can. Each morning as you get your Bible open, as you pray, 
each moment. But also we've got to believe in his name, don't we? Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, verse 12, he gave the right to become children of God. We've got to believe in his name. I think what that means is we've got to believe that he's God. Only by believing Jesus is God does the cross make any difference. If he's not God when he dies on the cross, it's just a terrible shame that some bloke died there. We've got to believe he's God. Because only the sun can chase away the darkness of night, and so only the perfect son of God can cleanse us of all our sin. We've got to believe he's God, because only an infinite son of God can take the eternal punishment that our sin deserves. Only the infinite divine God can satisfy our seemingly infinite appetites and desires that this world never seems to totally satisfy. If he's not God, he didn't rise from the dead, so he can't have life in him to the extent that will raise us to life when we die. If he's not God, he's just an unfortunate victim of injustice and either mad or a liar. We've got to believe he's God. And our lives got to say that, haven't they? For younger people here, you know, um, a young Christian, you believe that life is found with this person. What you want to do is cling to, as much as possible, this person, Jesus. He's who you want to cling to. Rather than what we can get away with, cling to him and do as much as you can for him. Often maybe you might find that you're in a place where there's lots of different competing offers for life in your life. You may find, I want to hedge my bets. Maybe life to the full with these other things and I'll have Jesus on the side. So a bit of Jesus and you know, everything in moderation, including Jesus. Don't think that, because Jesus is God's offer of life. So you think, cake or death? Would you like cake or death? You think, I want the cake. And then you cling to the cake with two hands, don't you? It's the same here. We invest in our relationship with Jesus above all others that you are working at at the minute. You're working at making all these mates at uni and at school and standing on your own two feet. But the relationship that we work most at, and you've got to work at relationships, is Jesus. Because he is God's offer of life. A new and wonderful life. Invest in that friendship even more than friends, um, boyfriends, spouse, whatever it is. Which relationship do you pour your most into? Which relationship do you long for most? And how does that compare with the effort that you put into your relationship with this person who is God's offer of life? Do your relational efforts show you believe that Jesus is your life? And it's a wonderful thing to be in that place because you are at peace when things go wrong, like boyfriends or exams or girlfriends or life. It, you know, it goes wrong. Life is not over because your life isn't invested in them. Your life is invested in Jesus and he never ends. That's good news, isn't it? So receive, believe, and also testify. Testify about Jesus and the life he brings. This is filled, isn't it, with witness, testimony, I've seen, I want you to see. It's like constantly in court with people who need convincing. That's what life feels like as a Christian. And it happens through words, that's what happens here, doesn't it? It happens through personal testimony, that's also what's happening here. Look, we've seen him. It's always regarding the good news about Jesus, 
Do you see how we're focused entirely on him? Here's the man there, John the Baptist says, I've seen this son of God. It's the light you need to look at. We've got to say his name. We've got to get the evidence open for people and say, look, let me show you. Here is Jesus. Can you see from verses 1 to 4 he is God? Can you see from verse 6 that he's come not to judge you, but so that you might have life forever? Get it open so people can see it. Be prepared that some will not recognise or receive Jesus. That's what it says there, isn't it? We had that brilliantly expounded for us this morning by Paul in here. I thoroughly recommend that. There in the parable of the sower, we're made aware that lots of people will do verse 10. The world was made through him, but the world did not recognise him. That's fine. You might get the Bible open, you might point them to who Jesus is, and they might never talk to you again. That is sad and it hurts, but it is normal. And it was worth a go, because Jesus is God's offer of life for them. Maybe they'll get it somewhere else. We don't, um, it, you know, you don't ignore the fire alarm, do you? Uh, it doesn't stop there being a fire. If you turn the fire alarm off, you've got to keep on sounding it. And the difference here is you've got life, God's offer of life in Jesus, or perishing without him. And so we keep going, even though there's no recognition. Uh, John the Baptist is a vision for us, isn't it? His life is all about Jesus, because he knows exactly who Jesus is. You know, he says, look, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was uh, before me. Um, this is the one I spoke about when I said that. And all he wants to do is tell people who this is. Um, he came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. And so his whole life is about Jesus, his dress. He wears camel, job, and, and pelts, his food. He eats the locusts and the honey. His day is spent out there preaching to people. And his speech, everything he says, is pointing to God's offer of life in Jesus. Look over there. What would church look like if we were all like that? It would probably smell quite bad. People would think we were quite weird. You don't have to be like John the Baptist in what you wear. But wouldn't it be great if people, when they summarised our lives, said, yes, that person, their life is Jesus. John was a guy I rode with, he was my age, we did lots of quite serious competitions together and in rowing groups you do this sad thing where you give each other nicknames that sum up who you are, some of which are not repeatable here, ranging from Superman because you look like, what's his name, Reeves, the old Superman actor, do you remember him? Terribly good looking bloke. Or Rain Man, slightly unkindly because someone was overly concerned with numbers. John got John the Baptist. Why? Because Jesus was the first and last thing you got with him. I got that totally wrong. In a meeting with that whole squad, we were asked to sign a paper at the beginning of the year that said that rowing and winning the boat race was our life. Literally our life. It was all that we were going to do. I didn't even think of Jesus. I was the first person to sign that bit of paper. And it burns me ever since. I was the first person to sign that bit of paper. I didn't even think of Jesus once. I publicly disowned him, even though I sadly didn't really believe, or obviously didn't really believe that Jesus was my life. I realised there was no, you know, it's a pretty awful moment when you realise you've done something like kind of that bad. And I did. And here's the exciting thing, okay? Even in the moment that I realised there was, 
that I had publicly disowned Jesus, I realised there was no amount of wrongdoing I could do which would stop me being a child of God. John was doing a great job. I was doing a terrible job. But because we had both received Jesus, we were both a child of God. And he was there, gently point out my error, and for me to pray to and say sorry. That's Jesus was. Because I believed he was God and he could forgive my sins and make me a child of God when he died on the cross, I prayed and I knew I was forgiven. Because I was experiencing in that moment the grace of Jesus Christ, what it looks like to have a new life in him, I wanted after that moment, when I got that wrong and I'd gone to Jesus and I'd said sorry, I wanted to testify to my crewmates right there and then that here is life in Jesus who forgives when we get it all wrong and we lose, not in rowing and glory, in the Son of God, the Son of glory, who's God's offer of life forever. Look how he's forgiven me. That's what I pray you would know tonight. It's not the challenge to do better, but just to remember that you are already a child of God if you have recognised, what I say, received, believed in him. And that's what makes us want to testify to him, that he's forgiven us, that we have that life and we enjoy that forgiveness. Who do you know who clearly has life in Christ and whose life is about Christ? You know, testimony of huge change from one end to the other. Or maybe there's someone who just became a Christian very quietly. Maybe there's someone you've known all their life. But you can just see that they start and they finish with Jesus and everything. That's what I want to be like. That's what I pray we would be like. When, otherwise some, when others summarise your life, who or what will they say it's about? I pray that on my tombstone is good and faithful servant of Christ. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you would come to us who deserve uh, nothing but judgment and nothing but your terrifying presence to make us buck up and do better. And Lord, instead, you give us new life when we receive you and we believe in you. And I pray, Lord, that you'd remind us of that in our hearts as we come to you in forgiveness and repentance, for forgiveness and in repentance. And Lord, that you would fill us up to overflowing with joy at your giving us the right to be your children so that we would be thrilled to testify and to witness in all that we do. Uh, we would be known as people who start and finish with Jesus in everything. Amen.